electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Futures still absorbing that guidance from Microsoft last night. Now, NASDAQ futures are weak. Yields lower, too, as some of these macro slowdown worries have the 10-year back to 343. It's about a one-week low. Our roadmap this morning begins with Microsoft forecasting the recent slowdown will continue and suggesting the cloud growth will stay muted. Plus, Boeing shares are under a bit of pressure this morning. This after the company posted a quarterly loss. CEO David Calhoun is going to break down the quarter with us. That's just a few minutes away. And targeting Google once again, the DOJ in several states accusing the tech giant alphabet of abusing its dominance in digital advertising. Yeah, a real Rockefeller situation there, don't you think? Like Exxon, Standard Oil, <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. Give me a break. We'll begin with Microsoft, though, under pressure in reaction to that guidance on cloud, the company's slowest growth in about six years. Satya Nadella last night addressing economic uncertainty on the earnings call. As I meet with customers and partners, a few things are increasingly clear. Just as we saw customers accelerate their digital spend during the pandemic, we are now seeing them optimize that spend. Also, organizations are exercising caution given the macroeconomic uncertainty. And the next major wave of computing is being born as we turn the world's most advanced AI models into a new computing platform. A lot of discussion of AI, Jim, but Azure decelerates into the end of the quarter down to about a 35% run rate. Just wondering if you you want to follow the arc of a conference call. This was one of the most confusing but also negative one I've come up with. Uh, Sadia comes up with a million things that make you want to own it. I mean, just everything. And then he gives you that little negative about optimization. Optimization code word for, like, we've had enough, okay? We'll figure out what to do with what we bought. There's obviously literally a glut of enterprise software. And then Amy Hood comes on the call, and I've always told people, please wait for Amy Hood because she's the hammer. And what she did was say, all right, look, uh, October was pretty good. Uh, November was okay. December was bad. And January's worse. So you see this decent, and this is an Azure name. So you see this... Uh, yeah, 38% in the quarter, but the Frasher, which looked really good. But it is literally a deceleration that is remarkable. And I think, frankly, is bringing all tech down. And we should just focus on it. Jim, you nailed it as far as you said the same thing that I've heard in a number of conversations this morning, which is that massive deceleration from December to January, yeah. particularly in Azure, from the exit of the, of the year and then down from the mid-30s and then down. And that's what's caught everybody's attention this morning. That's why you saw the turnaround in the stock price during the call yesterday. That's why you see it down as much as 3%. And that's going to color a lot of perception of the rest of tech. Yeah, in fact, up somebody saying to me, how can, how can ServiceNow do a good quarter is what somebody was asking well, me this I'll tell morning. You, that's, that has to do with sales. I don't think that Bill McDermott's going to miss the quarter. But it may not matter. Uh, there is this thing. I wish people understood. There's this thing called enterprise software. And it has been... The single greatest run of anything I've ever seen, frankly. It's been 10 years, digitization, cloud, everything. David, it's over. 
the growth is over. And enterprise software is where Raytheon is getting its engineers because they're being fired so fast at these places. Microsoft, you know what, David? The Sheryl Crow dictum is not, in, is not in place here. The first cut is supposed to be the deepest. There will be many more cuts. And Microsoft, is, do you see the number of people they have versus where they had three years ago? Enough. You don't need all those people. And I don't know what those people are doing, but I got to tell you something. I've got a, I have a, a visualization. Can we have a camera on me, please? There's a little focus on that. And they're doing this really rapidly when they're not playing Call of Duty. Oh, it's Call of Duty. That deal's never going to go through. Are you kidding? We'll see. Oh, we'll see? Yeah. This is a Wilsonian day. We'll see. Uh, Mike Wilson being there. We're going to talk more about the knock-on effects. Uh, Bernstein today cutting their target on Amazon. We'll Uh get to that a little bit later. Uh, But Boeing's the other big story this morning on that quarterly miss and some of the cash flow guidance. Let's get to our Phil LeBeau with a very special guest. Hey, Phil. Hey, Carl. Dave Calhoun, CEO of Boeing, on a day where you miss on the top and the bottom line. I think some people are waking up, they're looking at this, and they're saying, whoa, you guys report a loss of $1.75, the street's expecting $0.26. What happened? Well, uh, we gave our first guidance fill back in November, first in the last three years, in light of all the existential issues we'd been facing. If we look at the way we finished the quarter, we focused on deliveries and we focused on cash flow as the primary metrics. And on both of those fronts, we exceeded even our own expectations. So we actually feel very good about the fourth quarter and the execution as we went through it. On the revenue side, we were within a hair of whatever the ultimate consensus was. But we exceeded on deliveries and on cash flow. We got over $3 billion in the, in the quarter itself, which is pretty remarkable and is a big part of our overall recovery. But the big cost component here, the yep. cost bugaboo, if you will, it's abnormal production charges, and reworking these planes that are in inventory, right? Yes. And for us, our margins uh, from an accounting standpoint will be bouncy throughout this year, largely built around the return to service of the inventoried airplanes, both the MAX and the 787. On the other hand, on the nose of the airplane, it, it is what determines our cash flow. And so we still feel very good about our guidance, and we're off to a pretty good start. Jim, I know you have a question for Dave. First, Dave, I want to... Uh, actually congratulate you because I was looking for free cash flow that wouldn't be this good. And I know that Phil definitely raises issues, but I want to kind of feel like that there's a uh, McInerney era to this. And McInerney was, of course, the era where there was just tremendous long-term growth. I want to ask you, because of travel, because of demand, how many years visibility do you have and what can you say about long-term free cash flow? Well, we still feel very strongly that the $10 billion cash flow number that we uh, uh, forecast for 25, 26 timeframe is well within our reach um, without doing remarkable things. But in many respects, it's getting back to that period that Jim experienced, which is long-term growth, which is exactly what the market is telling us today. We're out competing for orders that are largely being delivered in the 28-9-30 timeframe. So the near-term discussion about recessions gets a little lost. You could have two recessions between here and then. So uh, I think mostly the industry is concerned about supply chain constraints and therefore trying to get their ore in the water as as quickly as they can. That is what we're seeing and experiencing on the field. In the old days, I used to ask, okay, how many orders are you winning uh, versus Airbus? And then I stopped asking that because it seemed like it was gratuitous. Are we back to the era where Airbus plays uh, a second fiddle role, at least in America, if not even China? 
Well, here in the U.S., we've had a very strong run here over the last year, uh, last couple of years. Um, you'll recall the big Delta order, the big United order that just got announced. You'll recall that Southwest was one of the early sort of recovery stories and their orders on the max. So in the U.S., we feel very good about where we are competitively and pretty much everywhere in the world, just based on the order scoreboard, um, with the exception of China. And if and when China comes back and we remain constructive on China, then my view is we will be back to that same competitive playing field that we were on before until eventually the next airplane gets introduced. And uh, I have a lot of faith that Boeing will do that really well. Let's talk about China. You know, the first MAX flight happened within the last few weeks. You're optimistic that these deliveries begin again. Do, do they start again this year, do you think? Um, I'm not going to get into the, uh, to the guessing game about the day they start. What I will say is that this is likely to start the same way it did in the U.S., uh, China has roughly 100 airplanes on the ground, already bought, that they have to put back into service. China Southern launched, and then I think there'll be a continuous uh, progress here over the next six months to get the rest of them in the air. And then the question of deliveries of the airplanes that we have today will be on the table. My hope is, in light of the fact that they've opened up like they've opened up, and they are experiencing everything we experienced in the, the demand for travel, uh, probably times two or three, and... Uh, the cross-border traffic now is really off to an explosive start. That is our sweet spot, which is the wide-body traffic. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty optimistic and constructive around the market, I think for good reason. I don't think any of us have rose-colored glasses on here. Yesterday we heard from GE's Larry Culp about challenges of the supply chain. Basically, it's going to be this way at least in 23, maybe into 24. we got to get used to it. Do you agree with that? Or are we looking at a supply chain where it's bumpy? Because yes. you've lost so many people and they're gone. They're just not coming back? Yes. Uh, and I would characterize the supply chain and our industry as largely a U.S.-based supply chain. Um, as It's labor-constrained. It's labor-constrained. Not hiring, but training. They are getting over the hiring bubble. And the markets are definitely beginning to uh, provide enough labor to get the job done. But you have to train. Every one of these products are pretty sophisticated. There's a quite, quite a training cycle involved in that process. And that's what they're working their way through. I have confidence um, that we'll get through this year. It'll be a bumpy year for sure. Why? Because we are all, Larry, Larry or the, uh, all the other major tier one guys in our world are on the same page. Transparent discussion about what's required, what's going to be needed to hit the next rates, et cetera. And no one's questioning the rates because they know the demand in the marketplace is there. Carl? Hey, Dave, you mentioned the, uh, the explosive growth in China. And I wonder if enough clouds have cleared regarding China, regarding covid to the point where we might get some new details on next generation, say, mid-sized aircraft uh, and whether or not that would be narrow, wide body or a mix of both. Uh, Carl, I don't believe um, any anything newsworthy on that front will come as a result of the China opening. As you know, they've introduced their narrow body version, uh, C919, into the marketplace. It's got an order backlog. It's going to have to go through a slow, steady, disciplined ramp up in order to meet the demands that it's already got on its books. I don't believe that is going to uh, cloud the picture globally for uh, either us or Airbus. I think the industry is going to be very healthy, plenty of demand for all of us. And I don't expect uh, a, a significant change on the wide body front with respect to new entrants. Um, I still believe the 777X, which is the one on our docket, is ultimately going to be one of the real crowd pleasers in the, in the industry.
day of tomorrow in Fort Worth, Boeing will be arraigned on criminal charges relating to the deaths of passengers on the two 737 MAX crashes. You settled with the DOJ a couple of years ago. Now a judge is saying, oh, no, 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 no. You didn't take into account, or the agreement didn't take into account, the victims and their families that were involved. What's your reaction to this? My reaction uh, to the families is always the same. Uh, just nothing but heartbreak. Um, I think we all can imagine how tough and difficult that would be. Any and every hearing they want to express those views is okay with me. And it's a good reminder to our whole Boeing franchise, our company, our industry, how important safety is for all of us and to continue to get ahead of it. And that's how we think about it. With respect to the legal proceeding itself, that's, uh, that's not a subject that uh, I'm qualified to, to talk about. Last question, yeah. FAA. This outage a couple of weeks ago has a lot of people here in Washington and around the country saying, what's going on? What's going on with transportation in this country? Should the FAA be privatized? Is that the answer here? That's an avenue. Um, but do you think me, it should let happen? Me, let me first uh, just say when, uh, when the term infrastructure gets thrown around and billions and billions of dollars uh, get allocated to infrastructure, trillions, um, the first term that comes to mind for me is digital infrastructure. Airlines, railroads, all things logistics, and the government should, if that is the priority, if that is what delivers capacity, productivity, efficiency, service levels to consumers, and that is the answer, then you would prioritize it and you would consider every avenue, including privatization. Would you like to see privatization? I would probably favor it simply because of the efficiency and speed with which they would likely get it and all the proof points around the world who have already adopted it. Dave Calhoun, yeah. CEO of Boeing on yeah. a day. Thank Guys, where they uh, miss on the top and the bottom line, but reaffirm their guidance for 2023 free cash flow. We'll send it back to you. All right, good stuff, Thank Phil. You. Thanks so much. That's our Phil LeBeau. That's great. When we come back, uh, the latest on Rupert Murdoch withdrawing that proposal to reunite Fox and News Corp. In the meantime, take a look at the pre-market here. A little weakness in the wake of Microsoft's quarter, and of course, a lot more to come uh, later this week. We'll get to AT&T and Texan and some news on Apple and Tesla as well. Don't go anywhere. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All right, late yesterday, uh, News Corp and Fox said, eh, forget that. You know, where we wanted to try to put these two companies together. Well, Rupert Murdoch, of course, who is a controlling shareholder in both Fox and News Corp, said we're not going to do that. Uh, and in fact, they say as well, um, we've determined a combination is not optimal for the shareholders of Fox and News Corp and the special committees of the boards. Remember, they've been working on this since really kind of mid-October is when we first announced that they established special committees. You're going to need a majority, the minority to vote in favor. 
Unclear whether they would have gotten it or not. Index funds, obviously, are such an important component of votes like that. But they say special committees of the boards of both have been dissolved and they're moving on. Now, um, one reason, well, News Corp shares had been up a decent amount during that period. So it's not easy to sort of negotiate what they'd hope would be an at-market merger of the two when you've got one having moved up. You see it right there significantly. Mm -hmm. Fox hadn't moved up as much. So it's difficult to do that. In fact, they never even got to an offer, uh, is what I'm hearing, you know, where they where Fox said, this is what we're actually going to offer you. Um, but another key reason is because News Corp is close to doing a deal and a sizable deal for um, for Move. This is a company that uh, owns Realtor.com. Uh, they're in discussions with CoStar Group. This is something all, they also told us late yesterday. I can obviously uh, give you a little bit more information on that. The price tag, somewhat above $3 billion is what I'm being told uh, by people familiar with the, the situation. They've been talking for months, so not really a surprise. In fact, one wonders, were they talking even prior to when they were talking about putting the two companies back together? But they have been talking for months, is my understanding, and they're getting close uh, to a potential deal. Uh, maybe not days, but certainly not months away. So let's call it maybe weeks from a deal that would value move. Again, owner of Realtor.com at above $3 billion. They bought that asset for $900 million in 2014. Uh, now, it's not all owned. 80% is owned by News Corp. And then a, a company called REA owns 20%, but News Corp owns 60% of REA. They're selling all of it. All of move would be sold. CoStar would be the owner if the deal actually occurs. Obviously, that would have a positive impact on News Corp as well. Bought it for $900 million. That's, you know, eight, nine years ago, nonetheless selling it for over $3 billion. Uh, but, Jim, you can sort of put on the sideline the idea that these two companies are going to be able to get, to get, are going to get together. That is not in the cards any longer. All right, so what happens to Dow Jones? I think Good it stays. Asset. You know, there's been some rumors, would they ever consider selling Dow Jones yeah, or the journal? Um, I don't buy into them too much at this point. Don't. No, I mean, I think this has been the focus, the move deal. By the way, that's a big number. I, I, Probably I a bigger number than you get for, remember, they bought Dow Jones for about $5 billion, obviously. I, know, a deal I, mean, I remember I very saying, well, but <laughs> what the journal's actually worth. Well, I, I marvel at all this because I felt that at this particular point in the housing cycle, one of the worst things you could possibly buy is move. But uh, Zillow's trying to make a comeback. I, I, I don't really understand this. Move is uh, well. Do you it, not understand it from from the potential buyer of it then? Or, I, I don't understand that price because CoStar obviously is is who they're talking I, to. I understand it from the point of view of of it, the internet and where people are, uh, <laughs> and how that's kind of a yesteryear property, right? Um, but if they want to spend the money, I'm not going to fight them. They do have Dow Jones. They could have doubled down on that because finance is a good business. Look at look at Thompson Reuters as a stock. But um, God, I haven't looked at Thompson oh, Reuters wow. in a long time. But move, huh? Yeah, move. 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 Realtor.com. It's a hot property. Realtor.com. Yeah. What is it? Like Compass and Redfin. Those are hot ones. Uh, they may be. Compass, Maybe. Redfin, move. Huh. In other words, stay away. But uh, when Nixon said that in the tips? Yes. Oh, we do have mortgages back to 6-2. That's not yeah. so bad. Oh, hey, DR Horton downgraded. Today. Horton had a great quarter. They're making as much money uh, as they did when they were selling fewer houses because they've jacked the price up of houses so much. That's one of those calls, by the way, where if you're, if you're J-Pal and you're feeling better, you're, like, feeling worse. Because, I mean, Horton's basically, hey, we're raising prices and people are buying them because rates are going higher. So you know what, Fed? <laughs> Take a hike. Fed don't take hikes. No. Well, they, they do hike, but they don't they take do. hikes. Oh, my. Yes. David, with a Wilsonian comment. Thank that's you. how I Yes. Remember, like, but President Wilson, who's been completely discredited. Yes, he has. He was, he was 
racist. He was just plain out racist. Oh, Names all God. the quotes after Southern generals. Horrible. I mean, the more I read about that guy. Yeah, Whoa. it was. Yeah, Wilson. Was, there's only one good Wilson. That's Mike Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about Mike Wilson's views. Uh, actually, having been on fast cut past couple of days, Shopify with some new pricing as well. As Jim talks about pricing moves, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell on this uh, Wednesday. That's busy and getting busier. Don't go anywhere. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Uh, cloud's going to open weaker this morning, as you see uh, futures in the red, all on the back of Microsoft. Going to open down about three. Same thing for names like Amazon and ServiceNow. Uh, Workday and uh, Palo Alto will open lower. We'll talk about that and uh, some of the relief in lower yields, at least. Two-year got to 414 this morning. Opening bell in a few moments. And don't forget, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. All right, let's get to a mad dash before we get you the opening bell, of course. We talked a bit about Microsoft. Those earnings are going to have a dampening effect on the broader market. We'll get back to that. But Texas Instruments also out there. Right, Texas Instruments is a kind of an amazing company because you won't see the stock down a lot, uh, even though they're saying that orders are weaker, weaker demand for pretty much everything. Uh, industrial market down 10%. Uh, autos up, the only one area is mid-single digits. David, personal electronics is just down so badly uh, down 20% for phones, tablets, PC. Jeez, it's 25%. But David, enterprise software, only 6% of their mix, down 20%. IQ coming back. I would have asked Dave Calhoun if I had one more second. Say, how many engineers can you get from the Valley? Because when you see enterprise software down 20%, you realize there was a whole industry predicated, the venture capital industry, on bringing more companies into that mix. So that was the most shocking number, because that's been the growth area forever. Uh, industrial market only down 10% is really not so bad. Uh, so, what I, and by the way, Texas Instruments is a very disciplined company. Autos are good, but... I don't know, David, this was a $4.7 billion quarter. We're not talking about a small company. And the problem is that companies are still working to reduce inventories. So uh, we have a big glut, and it's not been finished. And I think people have to recognize that they gun jumped. That's okay if you're trying to buy millions and millions of shares of some of these stocks you need to. But, David, this is in keeping with what's going on with Amazon and what's going on uh, with web services throughout the whole business, including, of course, Azure. It's, a, it's David, it's, it's a sad day for tech. Sad. There are a lot of people who are in these businesses, and yeah. I predict that they'll be looking for jobs. There are jobs at Raytheon. Right. It's, it's a, what you said, it's a deceleration from a 10-year period of incredible growth. Right. Obviously, some of it fueled by 0% interest rates, but... And, you know, we, we can extend that to Salesforce later on if we want to. Yeah. Uh, but it natural, enterprise software is the new natural gas. Oh, boy. Uh, that gas, incredible. Um, I think it's March and April now with a two-handle on that gas. The one top really positive line with Microsoft. And guys, the one, the one positive line was that the heating costs have gone down. I mean, holy cow. <laughs> I mean, there's a positive hey, for you. The dollar and energy. 
uh, headwinds that are listening, no doubt about it. Gold up. I mean, look, we searched. The only positive piece of research today was five below. The stars are aligned by five below. <laughs> I mean, David, that's must be. Is that, is that global warming? Anti global warming? The five below? Or is that jackets? <laughs> yeah, it's no, jackets. No, it happens I, I to be a store where you can buy all the junk in the world you want. They are from Philadelphia. They're from Ethan Market. I apologize. Here's a look at the opening bell, by the way. At the big board, it's Angel Oak Capital Advisors uh, celebrating two recent listings, two new, two new ETFs. They're the loudest so far. At the NASDAQ, uh, the Chinese Consulate General in New York celebrating really? the Lunar New Year, which we just heard Dave Calhoun talk about the explosive <laughs> yeah. growth in, in travel. Don't have it yet. They're still in the tarmac. I've got to tell you, Secretary Raimondo, she's the head of the... Uh, the Indian you know, Indian initiative that we're doing, not China. Now, of course, they, David, the Chinese IPOs are back as if nothing happened because because they like to fool us. Well, the real bigger question is, is China back? I mean, is, as the Chinese economy truly question. reopens from uh, from having been locked down for a couple of years, not to mention the crackdown on the technology sector that we talk so often about as all of that has lifted. How big an impact is China going to have in terms of demand, uh, not just on oil, but in general, and inflationary impact even, well, potentially? I think Nike's going to have good quarter. No. We don't know what Apple's going to have, but uh, there's a note. There's some notes in the last few days. It's every day. Estee Lauder. Because China's the market, and people are going going out again, and they're putting makeup on, and there's it's back to the uh, selfie generation, dude. Stock's down for it. Well, you, of course. I mean... It's a lousy day, but the notes are really incredibly positive. Well, Katie Huberty, Morgan Stanley, great chart yesterday looking at China's reopening, the inflationary impact. It's going to have much more hit on, say, iron ore than it does on crude. Yeah, I mean, Katie's now into, like, the charts, yep. charts that I look at. Um, and it's intriguing because she's coming up with very contrary views, and I like that. And anybody who comes up with a contrary view might have spotted what's going on with enterprise software. By the way, the venture capital industry enterprise software, we really, where are the deals? Dave, where are the deals of all those companies that were created? I mean, where are they? Well, where are they? In the, you know, it, in you, the have to, you have to get to a point if you're a private company that you're actually running out of money. That's what I keep thinking. And I don't think they're there yet. That said, we've made the point that some of the bigger buyers of those businesses, Vista, for example, uh, don't look to the private markets now. Look to the public markets where they see they see some value because these stocks have been so beaten down, Jim. I mean, you can talk about the business, obviously, decelerating dramatically and it being kind of like natural gas. But at the same time, it's not like the stocks are soaring. It's a little facetious. Yeah. But I, I tell you, Carl, if you're a young person... It was always like, go west, young person. No, now let's go Midwest. <laughs> it's true. Um, speaking of which, uh, Bernstein today uh, looks at the Microsoft guide, implies more deceleration for AWS. In the medium term, we think e-com and AWS are fine. Margins will come through, but quarter's tricky. They cut to 120. Yeah, look, I mean, the long knives are out. What can I say? Uh, Amazon has to do... I mean, we're all waiting on Jassy, Andy Jassy, the CEO, to fire enough people to get the table of employment back to pre-pandemic. But that would involve literally hundreds of thousands of people. And I don't know whether anyone has the stomach to do the kind of layoffs that are needed, either in Seattle or in California. They don't know how to fire. What they need to do is bring in 
somebody who's a good tool and die man, someone who's worked at a steel mill, someone who knows what what happens. I have, I have a question for you. The tool and die man was remember that that was a reference to to what? Kidder Peabody. Kidder Peabody. Yeah, but they brought in someone who didn't. They brought in like an Illinois tool works guy. Oh, I didn't know. But that. that's what they need to do. They need to go and bring in someone who just says, okay, listen, the bottom thirty percent. You know, go get a job at Boeing. They need engineers. When it comes now, to I wish I were being facetious, but Raytheon said that yesterday. Can I ask you a question? I, I'm sorry. I was Thank bad. You. On Amazon, um, what about, why do they need to spend so much money on content? Do you think people would actually no longer have their Prime subscription if they didn't have access to all of those movies and television shows. I ask it because it's not an insignificant well, spend for this company. It was an effort begun under Mr. Bezos. Right. I don't know how attached to it Mr. Jassy is, but what if they were to say, you know what, we're, we're kind of done with that now. We'll keep our library, but we're not going to spend all this money well, on I, content. Okay, I, I'll give you an answer, um, which is that I have Alexa, and I asked yesterday on my fire stick, uh, please put on your honor. And my Alexa in another room says, you know what, I'm sorry, you, you know, we don't have your honor. I mean, it's a 360, uh, you would probably say Big Brother or Wellian, but I, they want to be part of every aspect of your life. And I think that they could spend less money to do that. But when you want to sign up for a, some sort of website you know, to watch something, people just go to Amazon because they know that that's kind of the locus of the world. But I do think a lot of people would maintain their Prime subscriptions, even if it did not well, include. They want information about If it about was just you. about the delivery. But they want to know everything about, like, what are your proclivities? Understood. You know, if you like but this. But it's a big spend for them. And, I, and right, obviously, okay. they've given no indication that it's going to stop. They're spending more money on professional sports. They're becoming a real bidder in that area. But it's a big spend. I mean, you talk about 100, 200,000 employees. There's a lot of money cut. on that side of the well, business. Well, look, I, I think that Jassy. Uh, is saying, if we can be more integrated into your life in every aspect, Carl, every aspect, we will do better five years from now. And I think as someone who talks to Alexa quite a bit, because a lot of times I'm alone, uh, very chatty. She likes to talk? Yeah. I mean, Microsoft's talking about, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about open AI. I, mean, I, I come home, Alexa says, well, do you want me to tell you a joke about... You know, the Eagles. And I said, oh, I'm kind of in a bad mood. Sure, well, give me the joke. And that makes me laugh. And Alexa and I laugh together. <laughs> it kind of takes us to Alphabet today. Uh, not just the DOJ uh, story yesterday. Oh my God. Uh, more discussion about what would it look like, some of the parts. Today, this piece about Apple going perhaps vertical in search on their own. Well, I know. I mean, Apple wants to bring in everything. It was even mentioned on 3M. The 3M call, by the way, I'm nominating as the worst call. Uh, like we should do kind of nomination. Second might be Hans Vesperglund, where he's not just laser focused. He's super laser focused. He made that point. What is he super laser focused on? Losing customers to T-Mobile. <laughs> uh, I, well, I mean, that's Hans down the way I look at it. Uh, I, I think the Google case, I went over the first Google case. It was the same case. Google also was, the acquisition of DoubleClick was blessed by the Justice Department. So for the Justice Department to reopen this just shows how much they despise big business. It's, that is helping small business, because anyone in small business knows that if you give Google money, you can get that, you can find out everything about who comes to your place. They hate Google, what can I say? And I think that, I also would say that I think Google is ill-prepared for what's about to occur. 
Why? Yeah, it's not like Why? they it's not like they didn't get the heads up about 20 but, times on this. Well, because this is they're like saying, the fifth suit. Yeah. Because they don't know that Jonathan Cantor, states have been coming Jonathan after Cantor, him. The DOJ's who already runs, tried. Who's the assistant attorney general? Is very smart. Go read if you want to read an incredible ruling. Go read the Simon and Schuster Random House win by Jonathan Cantor. All right. No, no. Hey, when he dismissed me, yeah, I'm dismissed. Always comes back me. to the publishing, right? You said this many times. I'm not saying that he's not a very formidable guy, and I'm sure he has a lot of great lawyers. But you know who else does? Alphabet. And you know who else has unlimited money? Alphabet. Well, then Jamie Gor- <laughs> Gorilla, that first go round, she now represents Amazon. All right? No, she's on the board. No, no. Here's what I'm going to say uniquely. I let me go back. Legally, they're good. I mean, they're not Musk, whom we haven't even touched yet on the stand. Don't worry, I'm we'll just get that saying going. that this is the most ideological antitrust department I have seen since, and you'll get this, Standard Oil and, Te- and, and Teddy Roosevelt. They want to make law. I don't know if you read the Harvard Law Review piece by our distinguished FTC person. But what it says, the head of the FTC, is that all combinations are bad. They're all bad. They're bad for everyone. Right. And they're really particularly good for rich people and bad for everybody else. That is their ideology. David, that's an ideology. I remember I took Marx and Engels. Remember when, when Engels said the people are like, like a sack of potatoes? Actually, he was speaking of the peasantry. Under, understood. Uh, and under well, antitrust law, it may be very difficult for them to prove a case. That said, there is no care. shortage. There are no shortage of people who, who do believe, including many of our legislators, both on the Republican and Democratic side, who think that the power of these tech companies is far in excess of what it should be, and yeah. their ability to be involved in every part of our life. Right. Not to mention, then you get into the del- deleterious effects of social media and everything that's doing to. Younger people in particular. I mean, there's a lot of avenues to go down here, Jim, that say, hey, it's gotten too big. It's too much. And we got to do something. Well, look, they have too much power. Right. They have, well, that's Lena Khan's view is basically at the head of the FTC. And Carl, what they believe is these big companies have monopolistic tendencies to wipe out others, even though Google would say otherwise. And they're bringing back an antitrust era that is like TR where they basically think that big business is uh, anomalous in this country. It's not the way we do things. And these companies have co-opted the system. And, I, I, you know, look, when you're sitting there listening to Alexa and she's in charge of everything invol- involving your life, you could argue that she's too powerful, she being a metaphor for Amazon. That, you know, Lena Khan, if, if you're a hardcore leftist, like I was a big union guy, a shop steward at one point, wildcat strike. She'd be very sympathetic to me. So I was poor as a church mouse, and I was tired of the man. She is anti the man. It's a real throwback. We're not used to it because Obama wasn't like this. Right, but you need the change in the antitrust laws to actually get her to really, uh, you know, th- well, they still are going to come up against a very well, tough she time. Says Clayton Both Sherman, on challenging Clayton the many Sherman's deals where they've already started to lose and, and even these other cases. Obviously, the, the one we've been talking about here where the DOJ but, is trying to come David, after Google in terms of its ad business. You work there at Alphabet. Um, you're saying, oh, my God, I can't believe she's doing this. And it does not. Well, make it's the DOJ. It's not her, actually. No, OK. I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah. Jonathan Kanner is yeah. a much more rigorous thinker than Lena Khan, the head of the antitrust division, much more rigorous. And I think okay. to see him be on the side of the breakup of Alphabet. 
Yeah, they, they Listen, do say. I'm having a wrist. Oh, I thought that was like, no, no, no. He was doing this. I thought that meant move on. Like, like you're, well, you're actually, we should move on because oh, we got really a lot quick, of other things. Really to quick. Hit. I mean, if if personnel is policy, there's talk about Wu leaving. Uh, Brainerd, of course, uh, being Coming considered in. to replace Deese. Uh, Ron Plain's out out the door. You think the back half of this term changes? He's hard left. Harder hard left. left. Really? Hard left. That's the only thing that they can control. They lost the they lost the Congress. They lost the House of Representatives. So they go real hard left. They're hard left. That, that's what's going to happen. That's one of the reasons why I think healthcare is not doing well. They're hard I left. I can see an argument otherwise. Chief of staff. Chief of staff. If they go with that guy, Zane's his chief of staff. He's not hard left at all. You can make a deal with Klain. He, you Deans? can make a deal with Z, the, the guy who's going to replace him, Zients. Oh, yeah, because he's a venture capitalist. I, I, what, he's, not I, a, he's not hard left. No, but he's this, a, I mean, at least he's got agency, some world. The, the agencies business world. are hard left. They're going after a company that's been gone after already with the case lost, okay? Where the government lost and the reopening. David, DoubleClick was approved how many years ago? Best party maybe ever. <laughs> Remember the I, I Google double-click party? I, I mean, yeah, I, it was I'm, approved a long, long time the, the ago Google, when both these companies were far, far small. That company the, was far the smaller. Lina, the GuinaCon law review piece, which it's just basically just, it's the rich have had a big run. I mean, like, yeah, they have. Right, let's, let's move on and talk about another run. Why? Well, AT&T, oh, up 6%. Why don't you just pour me with a spoon? Really? Oh, oh yeah, no, right. No, I know, no, no, I know no. how you feel about AT&T. He took the charge. But you know what? Stock's up. Stock's up 10% for the no, year. True. 6%. They did take a nice big non-cash too. goodwill nice. charge. It's a um, reverse head and shoulders. That said, they seem to have come in better quarter than Verizon. Right? Oh, well, that's a real benchmark. Um, only, only 3M's been worse than that one. Stanky's been on the call, talking, of course, about inflation, saying he's re- reasonably high confidence level. Customers are going to continue to want to no, use good. their it product good. and pay for it. Good news is think through the worst of it when it comes to sort of inflation and the impact that that's had. No, it was good. Um, but overall, uh, and uh, guidance, uh, $16 billion plus in free cash is what they're pointing to for this year. Remember, they had once been at $20 billion. Yeah, That got ratcheted co- down. The dividend is covered. And the dividend is covered, and they generated over $14 billion last year. So generally good. We're going to talk to him. We're going to talk to John when? Stanky. Uh, next hour. Good. Yeah. You got a – would you ask about that goodwill impairment charge? Sure. I'll, the $24.8 billion goodwill impairment yeah, charge. Yeah, $24 billion. Had to billion. do with business wireline uh, business. They but, had to do it. But, um, and DirecTV was good. They've got this they joint said. venture with BlackRock that's kind of interesting in terms of building out fiber. We'll talk a bit about that. BRE? No, no. Not oh, B. Reed. I'm sorry. B. Reed's It Scotty Rowland got in the Hall of Fame. Anything can happen. He did? Newsflash. Scott Rowland? Yeah, he got in the he, Hall of Fame. He, he, they voted him into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they, that's like, yeah. I mean, wow. Go to Cooperstown, one-way ticket chief. I didn't. I thought nobody was getting in this ballot. Scotty Rowland campaigned very aggressively, apparently. <laughs> Very Mike Schmidt and Scotty Rowland, can you imagine? No. The hot corner. Not that he was a great player. He was no David, Mike Schmidt. He was shocked. The only thing I've shocked him on, I did a Lena Khan analysis yep, about Harvard Law Review that took Hard me forever. Left. And what does he oh, that care shocked about? Us too. Scotty Rowland. Kind of shocked That's what he bit. cares about. Um, David, there's news. I broke news. That huh? surprised me. 
I Overall, was surprised. Breath pretty weak here, though. Uh, only about 10 components of the NDX are green. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Morning, Bob. Morning, guys. Uh, Mike Schmidt, definitely yes on that one, old Philly guy. Uh, six to one, declining to advancing stocks. And the problem is lackluster earnings, to be honest. It, it, just take a look at the sector. So the stuff that's done great this year, I mean, Kathy Woods, ARC Funds had a great start. They're up 16% down. Semis, great start, down. Discretionary, great start, down. Uh, and communications also great start down uh, a little bit. Uh, and of course, other stuff like defensive names like healthcare doing a little bit better comparatively. Uh, consumer staples also doing a little better. And it's the earnings situation. We talked about Microsoft. There were some downgrades of BMO, but really uh, concerns about Azure growth there. AT&T, David just talked about that. The guidance met expectations. And that's fine. Textron was fine. Nothing amazing there. Freeport, uh, was okay. Textron did provide a guide that was a little bit above the street there, so that was a little encouraging. Kimberly Clark is a problem, and that's a real disappointment here because the revenues were disappointing, the guidance is disappointing. And I'll, let me just put up the following full screen. I'll show you what the problem is. This is a problem with a lot of the consumer names. We've done this chart, the, the, this full screen before. Organic sales are up five percent. The volumes are down seven percent. Huh? The, okay, so the prices are higher and the volumes are down. That's a problem, and you get. You get margin compression there when people start pushing back against the prices. So margin's an issue here for a lot of these consumer companies. I think we're going to hear a lot more about that. So where are we on earnings season? Eh, we got about 100 companies. We're about 20% of the way through. Here's what's important. Uh, they're beating by 71%. That is below the average number of companies. The number of companies are beating by 71% of them are beating. The average is 78% of companies beating. Here's what's really remarkable. The average beat rate has been close to 10% for the last three years. In other words, they beat by 10%. The average beat rate is only 0.7%. So not as many companies are beating, and the amount that they're beating by is much, much smaller. So the analysts appear to have been uh, not uh, too optimistic. They didn't cut the numbers enough uh, to get the usual pop that we're actually getting here. So right now, here's where we are for the S&P 500. Uh, basically, they're expecting everything to be flat for the first half of the year. And everything is back-end loaded. I said this last week. Everyone is hiding in the fourth quarter, anticipating this uh, tremendous turnaround that we're going to see. So you see how basically it's a wash for the first half of the year. Everyone's playing in the second half uh, of the year. Finally, uh, on that trading glitch yesterday, the New York Stock Exchange did issue a statement uh, this morning. What they said was the root cause was determined to be a manual error involving the exchange's disaster recovery configuration at the system start of the day. If you want it in plain English, folks, they were testing a system whereby if there was some kind of disaster and the New York Stock Exchange floor didn't open, what would happen? And what happens is you don't have any participation from anybody on the floor. And so they, it was not reset properly. Somehow there was a manual error. And so when they tried to build the book in the morning, all of the DMMs down here got their orders rejected. The people on the floor got their orders rejected. In other words, the system acted like there was nobody on the floor and we didn't have any opening prints. That's what caused a lot of this craziness. So this just goes to show you, Carl, how difficult the world can be uh, when software goes crazy. One big issue is, are the prices right for the S&P 500 at the open? We had a lot of new highs and lows. Uh, are they going to bust a lot of these trades? They're still trying to figure this out. Some will be busted. They got printed at the open. Some will not be busted. But there's an interesting question about what the right prices are for the open. And this does matter to a lot of companies that get opening prints. And it matters for technicians who are doing charting. You're at new highs or not. So there's a little bit of uh, issues that have to be worked out in the course of the next couple of weeks. Carl, back to you. 
about yesterday, our Bob Pisani. A quick reminder this morning, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Thank you. You can sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club or use the QR code on your screen. As for bonds today, not a lot of data on tap uh, and, of course, no Fed speak, but we do have the curve uh, broadly lower, two-year back to 412 as uh, we await more high-profile earnings tonight. Microsoft lower but still on pace for a weekly gain. Back in a minute. S&P heat map, you can see uh, most components are in fact in the red. And as for the moving averages, we are right back to that 200 day that we spent two days above uh, right now, just around 39.61. We'll see if that lends any support this morning. Take a break here. Dow's up 240, or down 240. Don't go anywhere. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Lost in the shuffle of earnings was an announcement by Eli Lilly yesterday. They're spending their uh, $450 million in manufacturing site in North Carolina, what people I think don't realize is this is for going to be for the greatest selling drug of all time, which is Munjaro, uh, which is the drug that right now is being used for diabetes, but otherwise allows you to lose 15% of your body weight in just a few months. So they need to be able to have enough to meet the demand. And that's what I believe this $450 million plan is for. People don't talk about it yeah. enough. This is the drug that will change America about obesity. We, uh, yeah, we didn't get to Abbott. Um, COVID yeah. tests down 54. Yeah, kind of uh, Still a billion. That was still a beat, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, Abbott has a, a very good diabetes. Uh, the Libra, it's good. It competes against uh, Dexcom, and it's less expensive. Abbott's fine. It's just not, neither here nor there, frankly. How about tonight? Okay, I've got Levi Strauss, which is very interesting because Chip uh, just downgraded to a sell. By, uh, J- by J.P. Morgan's Matt Boss. Let's hear about that. And then David, Richie Brothers and Fandozi. You know, Richie Brothers just got a new uh, shareholder. Yeah, Jeff Smith. Yeah, Starboard, Starboard. Half a so, bill on the pipe. Yeah, so I think we'll discuss your work. My, I didn't do any work. Discuss I had nothing your work. to do with that. No, but it's a good show. Good to have her on. Wow, a lot of ground cover. Bad day. Yep. Uh, Wilsonian day. Some days go well, some days go Wilson. <laughs> We'll see you tonight, Jim. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Jim's right. Dow now, early session lows down 315. When we come back, AT&T's Chief John Stanky, uh, stronger than expected sub-growth, boosting the stock in a rough tape. Back in a moment. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.